from Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today. This is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hext. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is an in-house production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. I'm Matt Zemek. He's Ian Hest, my producer and co-host. And uh, you know, we talked a little bit about USC Oregon State. Let's now focus on not not the game itself, but on the television dimension of it. And also, uh, we'll get to some, uh, our Pac-12 overview and Pac-12 game prediction segment for this week. But uh, Ian, so like. You're in South Florida. You're well outside the Pac-12 footprint. Tell us about your uh, great adventure uh, trying to to watch this game on television and follow it. So I, I have to admit, this is the first time that I really was dedicated to trying to find a game on the Pac-12 network, simply because it was a big game for USC. My job with you to make sure that I'm, you know, all all in the knowledge on it and everything. So I don't have direct TV. So I knew right off the bat that I was going to to need to go to, you know, a sports bar place, whatever, to, to mind you to have it. This is pre-Hurricane Ian, mind you, and everything that we're dealing with around here this week. But uh, so so every everything was, you know, fine, found a place with DirecTV. Turns out, well, that's like a separate DirecTV package from the regular DirecTV football package. And given that there is so much East Coast bias that we all know and love, they didn't they didn't like figure to this is a, a place called Flanagan's. Maybe people on the West Coast, you, you don't have it, but it's sort of like your stereotypical sports bar around here. And the, the, you would just expect every game to be on. They didn't have the Pac-12 network. So I'm sitting there I'm trying to think, how is this even possible? I'm Googling things. I'm trying to figure out how do you stream the Pac-12 network? What do I need to sign up for? And across from me at the very edge, I see a dude, <clears throat> excuse me, I see somebody who uh, who is uh, in in red and gold and not wearing USC or anything, but he's in red and gold and he is just absolutely buried in his phone. Like no person ever. The, the phone was literally six inches from his face. And I'm thinking that's my guy. I walk over, walk around to him. Sure enough. He is a transplant from Los Angeles and, and my lucky stars aligned. We are sitting there amongst, you know, everybody watching, uh, you know, Ohio state, Wisconsin, and all, all the other games that were going on around, uh, around college football. And we are just staring at a phone buffering as a hurricane is about to bear down on us, hoping that the Wi-Fi doesn't go out. And in that moment, I realized what you all have been complaining about. Because we here have the SEC network, we have the ACC network, it's over the air. It's very easy to find. Almost, I mean, if not all cable providers offer it here. It is extremely accessible, the Big Ten network also. And and that just, the the ease of accessibility, you don't even think about it. It's very mindless. And I've been working in television for, you know, nearly 15 years now. I've never seen a situation where it was just so difficult to find a clearly important game on a national stage that wasn't 
you know, that wasn't just isolated to the markets of Southern California and Corvallis, Oregon, like that, that had national implications. We talk about times in the 80s and, and before then where it was like such a treasure to have a game on national television. Well, nowadays you expect every game to be on national television. It hearkened back to almost a time before I was born where it was so difficult to make sure that you were able to find the game that you were desiring to watch. And, you know, it, it reminded me of a lot of the time that, you know, whether it be you or whether it be some of the guests that we've had that, that have lamented the Pac-12 network and, and I'd sort of side-eyed it as, how could this be such a big deal? It can't be that difficult. I understand that maybe it's a little bit inconvenient, but it's not going to be that big of a deal. Going through that process, I, I'm man enough to admit when I was wrong, that is a heck of a, a situation. And I, I, I was really appalled at how you could put such an important game in in that fashion where if you are, forget a national fan that's just interested, let's say you're an AP top 25 voter. I mean, almost all the AP top 25 voters, I can guarantee you, did not watch that USC-Oregon State game. They are looking at a box score because it was so difficult to watch. Even if they wanted to watch it, it would have been so difficult for them to find that they would have given up on that far before they ever would have tuned into a game-winning drive. There was a time where... I forget what it was. I think it was Brett McMurphy was live tweeting play-by-play because it was so obvious that nobody nationally was watching that game. And it really encapsulated a lot of what you guys were saying. And I felt felt bad. I genuinely felt bad for you guys that that a situation like that could be so all-encompassing and could control your experience as a fan. It was really eye-opening. I'm going to ask you something, but I first want to just make a simple point that you're correct that most AP top 25 voters, yeah, they don't have access to the game, I mean, especially if they have direct TV, but just in general, I mean, the Pac-12 is a regional network and it doesn't have the same access on uh, cable tiers or through various cable providers. Just imagine if you get into early December and it's like USC versus Georgia or Alabama for the fourth playoff spot, the difference could be something like, hey, people didn't see USC, Oregon State on ESPN. It was on Pac-12 Network, and that that big win got a lot less publicity. I mean, is that a far-fetched scenario? I, I don't really think so. Anyway, but the question I have for you is, let's just be clear for our listeners who are USC fans and who live in the Pac-12 footprint. So again, you're in South Florida, not you know in a very different part of the country. What, where are ACC Network, SEC Network, Big Ten Network? on cable tiers like are they all on the basic cable tier are they like on the main sports tier or sports package that you can get through your local cable provider uh, in south florida what what what's the structure there in terms of the the cable carriers uh and, and the and the various tiers where you can access various sports channels and not just in college sports but also things like mlb network nfl network and where Pac-12 Network fits on all those tiers. Yeah, so, well, Pac-12 Network doesn't fit in it at all, right? Because most people down here don't have satellite television simply because, like we're dealing with right now, when you have a hurricane, satellite television is is rendered useless. So most of the people have over-the-air or cable television. Um, so so that's a, the easy part of that. From your packages, 
pretty much everybody at this point, I mean, definitely everybody has the SEC network. Almost everybody, I want to say, maybe you have to pay like a little bit extra for ACC network. Everybody gets a Big Ten network as well. Um, Big Ten network is sort of grouped in with uh, like Fox Sports 1, um, and, and then SEC Network is sort of included with ESPNU, I would say. That, that, that Those are really the lines of demarcation there. But even if it's not, even if you don't have, even if you aren't paying for the sports package, let's say for MLB Network, NBA TV, NHL Network, even NFL Network or Red Zone, right? Even if you're at a simple basic package, you can go to any sports bar around Florida and, and you're going to get, without a shadow of a doubt, any game that you want from the ACC or the SEC. That's a given. Past that 95, 98%, you're going to get a Big Ten game. And probably, let's say, like 80 to 90%, you're going to get a Big 12 game. The Pac-12 network, the people that you would ask to turn that television are going to look at you like you've got four heads. It's just non-existent. <laughs> I, I'm and I, I mean, I, I wish I was joking there, but I know you're not. That's I'm, the sad part. They are not. If if a, it's easier to watch Hawaii than it is to watch a game on the Pac-12 network, and I'm not even joking when I say that. It was really shocking. The only chance that I had to watch that USC game was finding that USC fan at the end of it, of it watching on his phone and asking if I could sit next to him. That was my only chance in the world of watching it. That is just so crazy, and it's so Pac-12, it hurts. All right, great media segment. Uh, you know, an unexpected uh, bonus to come from the, the nightmare of having uh, a big game on Pac-12 Network. As we move to our overview of the Pac-12, now you said a few minutes ago, Ian, got to admit when you're wrong. Well, hey, I have to admit when I'm wrong. And I thought Arizona would definitely beat Cal in Berkeley. And I remember you distinctly saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cal's only a three-point favorite. It should be much larger. Well, Ian, I mean, you hit the bullseye, and I whiffed. Cal, 49. Arizona, 31. I mean, I didn't see this from Cal. Like, where did this come from? We have yet Jaden Ott, the running back for Cal, going for 274 yards against Arizona's defense. And I guess, as I try to recalibrate Arizona and reassess that's my thinking on the Wildcats. You know, Arizona gave up 20 points to San Diego State in week one. When you look at San Diego State, San Diego State could not score 20 points against Toledo this past weekend. So in retrospect, you know, as we as we get deeper into the season and as we contemplate how good various teams are or aren't, giving up 20 to San Diego State, like that's a that's a not very good defensive performance. Obviously, we didn't think so at the time. I didn't think so at the time. But now, yes, giving up 20 to San Diego State. Like, if you're giving up 20 to San Diego State, you have problems. And Arizona's defensive problems definitely showed up against Cal. So, Ian, got to give you your props. You called the you called it exactly the way that would go, at least in terms of Cal outdistancing Arizona by a substantial margin. Well, the thing that really surprised me was, and I watched the Cal-Notre Dame game kick off to, to final whistle. And I, I'm honest, when I say this, Cal should have won that game. And I was of the thinking that whole time, like, when are the wheels going to fall off? And it never seemed to happen. And so I'm, I, you, you know that you have those games where you head into a game thinking one thing and 
slowly but surely you're expecting, and eh, there's no way that this is real, is it? And like your thinking gradually changes during a game. That's what happened with me with Cal and Notre Dame. So, you know, do I think that they're going to beat Washington State this week? No. But and and does Arizona have have the great cleanser in Colorado this week? Uh, they'll probably look like world beaters by this time next week when you and I are talking, Matt. So, you know, everything in isolation, everything in moderation. But I, I think that Cal is a better team than we thought. And I, and I do think that, you know, I like Delora. I think he's a fine QB. Do I know if he can win me a game like that? I, I'm yet to be, I'm yet to feel like he can do it for me. And as long as that's the case, I'm always going to have that like tepidness with Arizona. I just don't know. They, they reek of seven and five to me. And, and so I, I think that this Cal team, yes, is playing above their weight right now but they have a system that works for them and they play it very efficiently. And that in college football, when you don't have the talent to match up can go a lot further than you expect. And I, and I think that the golden bears, like for, for all things, like, are they, are they going to be packed 12 title contenders? No, but are they, are they a decent team? Could they have some nice wins? Sure. I think, and I think that this last week against Arizona was one of them. The other game we need to review from uh, the past weekend in the Pac-12, Oregon and Washington State. So Washington State led 34-22 with four minutes left, and then Oregon slaps together 22 points in three minutes. Uh, the final uh, seven points coming on a pick six uh, to beat Washington State. And, hey, I'm the biggest Bo Nix critic in the world, and he, he did throw an awful pick six, which put Oregon behind the eight ball for most of that game. but when the chips were down in the fourth quarter, he was nails. He was cash money. So Bo Nix continues to deliver for Oregon. And, you know, I do lots of other podcasts on other other shows, other platforms. And and my recurring theme, Ian, is that, you know, if you're Washington State or also if you're Oregon State as well, you should not be happy that you played USC or Oregon close. You should be mad that you had a winnable game slipping away where do you come down on that fundamental question of you know washington state hey gave a great game to oregon futures bright like we're, we're competing with the best or darn it that that's a game we need to lock up and win if we want to take the next step as a program where, where do you fall on that basic question with washington state i actually think i fall on the other side because i i really wonder from a, a pac-12 perspective how much this season will look differently if Utah took care of business against Florida and if Oregon at least was respectable against Georgia. The, the, the fact that those two things will wind up defining a narrative of the Pac-12 that will persist into November and even December it is really a shame because I think that if you had these four teams that to me have clearly separated themselves from the rest of the pack, all of a sudden you can create a national narrative. To, to go back to your point on Washington State and Oregon State, like, yes, if they could have been the ones to pull off that upset, that'd be huge. But I looked at, at that more in terms of, like, Arkansas against Alabama this weekend. If Like, Arkansas is under no pretenses that they should have any business being able to pull that off. And, and Arkansas, in this, you know, analogy is Washington State. That, that Oregon is going to sort of be defined by that Georgia loss when I think that they're a much better team than that. 
and, and you mentioned Bo Nix. Yes, that, he he's the one that's going to uh, you know. I, I don't really know. Like you're gonna you're gonna deal with the cards that you're dealt with him. But I I really believe in that defense, and and, and I feel like that first game against Georgia just created this narrative again around Oregon that will persist for the rest of the season that will not be true. Let's move over to our Pac-12 picks for week five, and we're going to talk in depth about one game, but I'm going to save that for last uh, because the other games I think are more clear-cut. Um, Stanford-Oregon in Eugene, your prediction for that game. I mean, easy after what I just said. I think that Oregon's good. Stanford, you know, uh, when, when I feel like it's going to be a little while. Um, I, I haven't really seen a lot from them this year, and, and I just think this is an easy Oregon win again. Yep, and Colorado, Arizona, I'm assuming that's an easy win for the Wildcats. Colorado is the worst Power 5 team that I might have ever seen. I mean, they remind yep. me of Kansas from like 10 years ago. That's right. To- totally agreed there. And so you have Washington State over Cal in Pullman. How close a game do you think that's going to be, though? The line is four, which is like a bit of a teaser. I I would feel comfortable going either way on it, but I think Washington State will cover. Uh, It'll be an exciting game, but I can see them pulling away late. Yep. All right. Uh, You know, USC is going to beat Arizona State, but the the line is 26. Do you think USC covers that? I think that they're going to do everything in their human or, you know, extra human, superhuman fashion to do that. I think the USC wants to prove that that last week this offense is not that and they will try and run it up as much as they can. Yeah, I'm going to go on record as saying that uh, I don't I don't think USC covers. I think that, you know, you want to if you're going to rest Cortland Ford for the Oregon State game, you might as well rest him one more week to make sure that he's ready for Washington State and with Dietrich and Bobby Haskins also not a hundred percent. I think this is a game where USC has every reason to just kind of, you know, get an early lead and then run the ball basically the whole second half. Just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, and let's bring out the toys and the fireworks for Washington State and also Utah. So I think USC is just in a position to downshift in this game, and it doesn't have to make a statement on the back end of the Oregon State game, that that statement can wait for Wazoo and Utah. So I think that this game kind of goes into harbor something like 33 to 13 uh, in that range with USC winning comfortably but not covering the 26. We'll, 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 we will definitely see what happens in the Coliseum. All right, so the two games left are the big ones. Uh, and we'll do the, the biggest one for last. The next The next biggest game, the second biggest game of the week, Oregon State at Utah. So Oregon State coming off USC has to go right to Utah. So the Beavers play arguably the two best teams in the Pac-12 in consecutive weeks. And the big story here, Ian, Brant Queefe, the Utah tight end, who was so good in the Rose Bowl, such a central part of the Utah offense. He's out for the season. And, you know, USC had the benefit of not playing Oregon State with Luke Musgrave, the Beavers uh, tight end also a centerpiece component of their offense. He was out for that game. Uh, the presumption, as we record this show earlier in the week, is that he's going to miss the Utah game. Maybe he plays, but even if he does play, might not be you know fresh or, might, or will be fresh, but he might be rusty, uh, might not be able to play his absolute best. So if that storyline 
in mind, and also with Oregon State being, you know, suffering the devastating loss to USC. What, what's your take on Oregon State, Utah, in Salt Lake City? Yeah, if this game was in Corvallis, you probably might be able to talk me into it. But, you know, with it being in Salt Lake City, with, with what Travis Dye did against Oregon State last week, I feel like Tavian Thomas could have a, a huge game in this as well. Cam Rising, uh, you know, is is always a threat no matter what. Utah has, since the Florida loss, scored 34-plus points and won by three touchdowns in the past three games. I think that they scored 34-plus in this. They don't win by three touchdowns, but I think they win by more than one score. All right, now we come to the final game, and we're not. This is not just a prediction segment. It it really is worth a, a, a larger discussion. Washington at UCLA. Now, this is a Friday night game, so it's a standalone game, and we all get to watch it because it's not on Pac-12 Network. So this game is going to really tell us a lot about both sides. And just to set the table, you know, UCLA has played a cupcake schedule, three easy non-conference games. I mean, easy in the sense of you know teams that you should beat. By a lot, UCLA was lucky to beat South Alabama by one point on a final second field goal. Uh, South Alabama had the ball up by two with three minutes left, had a fourth and two, decided to get cute and fake a field goal instead of just running a normal offensive play and getting a first down to salt that game away. Um, so, you know, when UCLA played Colorado, you know, again, one of the worst power five teams of all time. Uh, Colorado's lost each of its first four games of the year by 25 or more. That That is something which has rarely happened in the entire history of college football. Um, so UCLA has had zero, you know, big-time opponents on its schedule and still nearly tripped up against South of Alabama. So UCLA is unbeaten but is not impressive by any stretch. So it's a proving ground game for UCLA. And this is also a proving ground game for Washington. And the big note for Washington is that, you know, that win over Michigan State, which might have seemed like a really good win at the time. Well, Michigan State just got flattened by Minnesota at home. Michigan State does not look like a good team, period. So Washington beating Michigan State comfortably, not as big a win as we all thought. And the other thing about Washington, Ian Hest, is that the Huskies spent the whole month of September until this Friday uh, playing at home in Seattle. Four home games. So Washington finally goes on the road. So we, we're going to learn a lot more about the Huskies. So with that in mind, before you give your prediction, just size up these two teams and what you're looking for in this game. Yeah, I think that you kind of stole the thunder on UCLA is that they're lucky to be 4-0. And um, I, I just like – it, it somehow has been an escape the entire time, it feels like. Uh, for Washington, that offense really looks good. And and you bring up Michigan State. If not for Michigan State looking as poorly as they have the past couple weeks, I wonder if Michael Penix is is even in the, like, the Heisman conversation. He threw for nearly 400 yards, four scores against Michigan State earlier this season. He leads all of FBS in passing yards. Uh, really is is the driving force behind this offense. So I love where where Washington's offense looks. They, they're almost in a similar like it's a shame that Washington and USC are not going to be able to solve this in the regular season because that is good. That would be a fun game to watch. That would be if if we ended up with seventeen fourteen in that game. Uh, you know, I, I <laughs> I'd be stunned. But 
Um, I, I really like where Washington is heading. I, I think that they have an offense that you can believe in. And that in this era of college football is something that really foundationally needs to be something to start. And you can build off from there. So with that in mind, I am assuming that you're picking the Huskies in that Friday night Pac-12 showcase. I'm going to. I was actually shocked that it's only a two and a half point spread in favor of the Huskies um, because I I think that they really have the chance here to expose UCLA for the, the late game drama theatrics that they've had. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Washington is a noticeably better team, but the line is as low as it is, two and a half, because Washington uh, has spent the whole month being at home, and so going on the road might be that change-up. And we saw USC, I mean, I know USC had the road game at Stanford in week two, but we saw that when USC went into a truly difficult road environment, um, you know, the, that offense got rattled, and, and so... There's definitely a line of thought, I think, attached to Washington going on the road. And keep this in mind about Washington football. And I, I've, I've lived part of my life in Seattle. Washington has not beaten Arizona State on the road in Tempe since 2001. And there have been some bad Arizona State teams in that period of time. And there have been some good Washington teams in that period of time. Take, take for example, 2017. In 2017, Washington had a Fiesta Bowl team. Washington made the Fiesta Bowl, played Penn State in a New Year's Six game, and that was the year after Washington made the college football playoff in 2016. Nope, the Huskies still couldn't beat an average, you know, mediocre Arizona State team that year. So I think that the Huskies' history on these road trips to the Sun Belt part of the Pac-12, Southern California, Arizona, that is why Washington is not – favored by more, but I'm definitely riding with the Huskies uh, as well. Well, Ian has to picking the pack uh, our new segment for uh, Trojans Wired this year. Thank you for uh, contributing to the effort. And, you know, after this Arizona State game for USC, then we get into Washington State and Utah. It's, it's going to get really serious around here. So, Ian, glad you're along for the ride. And, hey, you're in South Florida, so hope that you and your family are safe. Uh, while the hurricane bears down on the sh- on the not so sunshine state this week. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, I, I finally got a hurricane named after me. I, I've been only living here my <laughs> whole life. So I'm glad that we're all okay, and, and hopefully everybody else here is too. Absolutely. All right, that's it for this week. We will talk to you next week here on Trojans Wire. <laughs>